the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up for the daily email there. Excuse me, sign up for the emails there. Uh, I will send longer form writing that I do out there uh, from there. Also, if you visit phyllisschlafly.com, you can sign up uh, for the Daily Wink. The Daily Wink is what you need to know. goes out every morning, 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time, and has a couple of stories, a couple of links, and then one key point, one key point that you uh, need to hammer home and understand. And so um, this... This is it today. We'll see. I, sometimes I do this segment, the wink, I call it, what you need to know, and it'll change before we get to the uh, next uh, wink that gets sent out as an email. But we'll see what happens. Here's what I want to talk about today, what you need to know. There, I, I, I need to come up with catchier names, catchier titles for some of my uh, theories. And, for example, this next theory is it's called the one-term president – of the modern era, the one-term presidency, sorry, the one-term presidency of the modern era. What do I mean by that? I, what I mean by that is there's no chance, in my opinion, that you're going to have another two-term president back-to-back because the nature of the social media, big tech, uh, big media, the nature of government, the nature of the incentives for attention as well as money, those are sort of repeating, uh, I'm repeating myself, all the incentives are for crisis and problems and drama and energy, negative energy. And so by the time you got in, and, and so my point here is by the time you get to the second or third year of a presidency, you probably have lost the house. That seems to happen pretty regularly, um, almost every time in, a, in the first term of a president. They lose a lot of seats, usually a lot of seats. Obama in 2010, uh, Trump in 2018. Biden in 2022 wasn't as big a deal. He held the line, but he lost the house. He still lost the house. And so that's what happens. And by that time, you're running out of energy. You start to have people doing investigations and impeachments and all this kind of stuff. And the media is relentless. Both parties to both parties. Biden is being relentlessly picked apart now. Now, you can you if you're a if you're a, a conservative, if you're someone that looks at Biden and says his policies are bad, you say he's not actually being picked apart the way he should be if he was a Republican, but he's still being diminished. So th that's my theory of the one term presidency of the modern era. 
And then you say, so here's what you need to know. Go onto the Twitter machine, you now called X, and go and find a guy named Mike Benz. Now, Mike Benz is someone who has his his uh, X handle is at Mike Benz Cyber. At Mike Ben Cyber, he's the executive director of an of an entity which is called the Foundation for Freedom Online, the Foundation for Freedom Online, uh, foundationforfreedomonline.com. And Mike Benz uh, worked at one point uh, in the government and the cyber side. He's the author of a uh, of a book, Weapons of Mass Deletion. I think that's uh, I think it's oh, it's that's right. That's the running joke. It's not published yet. He's got a big book that he's been working on. He hasn't published. But here's the thing. Benz does these videos where he explains stuff and he has a short video uh, from, I think it was Tuesday. It could be a day before that, but I think it's Tuesday and the video is him and he's talking about, um, he's talking about uh, how things work and he talks about how narrative beats facts. So in other words, somebody who has a narrative beats the facts by by the narrative and your your facts may be important but if the narrative's better you, that's what wins. But then he goes on for another uh, another part of this and says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, narrative beats facts, but here's the twist. Vibe beats narrative." And he goes into this explanation. He's kind of a cool dude. He's really cool. He's got a kind of he's bald and he's got a beard. And this one, he's wearing uh, sunglasses. He kind of talks uh, to his his phone walking. It's very cool. He's a very cool dude. But here's what he's saying. He's talking about vibe. And what he means by that is how you're doing things, how the energy is, what's around you, what the kind of uh, how things are, are are feeling. It's kind of energy, energy better than feelings. Feelings is the wrong word. Energy. And so you need to watch this. It's about a seven minute video. And he's talking about how in 2016, the vibe was all Trump. People were commenting on Trump. There was energy. People were. And then he says in 2020, the vibe was sort of not Trump. It was Trump on the defensive. And and his what he says in this one, and it doesn't talk about it too much. It gets to the end of the video. It, where's the vibe now? Who, where do you think the vibe in the country, and this goes back to my one-term presidency of the modern era, at a certain point, you just have feel the energy. The energy is against Joe Biden. They can try to spin it and they can try to say, well, you know, you, the border is not our fault. Well, you've been in charge. It certainly is your fault. There's no other way around that. But you can try. You can try to spin these things. It doesn't really work. It doesn't work at all. But more importantly, the vibe the vibe, the energy, that's better. The energy, it doesn't work for me to say vibe. When Mike Ben says vibe, it kind of works. For me, I just would say the energy is all in one direction. Well, that's not fair. Let me say it better. The energy is clearly in one direction, favorably in one direction. There's energy around what's going on, and there's not uh, sort of discordant energy on the Republican side. You can say Nikki Haley's still running, and there's some beef in this and that, but in general, the people who are identified as center-right voters are with the energy of opposition to, to, to Biden. And here's the thing. More and more Americans feel that. And as I've said over and over again, it's not about uh, you're not going to convince um, uh, ultra liberal women to vote for Trump. You're not even going to convince most African-American women to vote for Trump, although some I think will over the schools and some of the distrust of the of the government on on educate uh, on uh, on um, uh, pharma and, and, and on uh, vaccines. 
But there's other groups that are much more uh, open because of the energy. And they're seeing the energy like Trump is his energy is to say, hey, we can't have the open border. We've got to stop things. The energy of young white males who probably don't usually vote and probably don't vote too often conservative. They're they're headed. They're seeing the energy in their direction. And here's the wild card. You mark my words. That's why I've said this over and over again. There's one man who should be the VP VP nominee to Trump, and that's Ben Carson. Because more and more African-American men are looking up and they're going, man, they keep doing to Trump that all this stuff. What what if, if he's so bad? They say he's so bad, but he hasn't done any crimes except all this made up stuff. He gets screeched at by Joy Reid. He gets screeched at by Rachel Maddow. He gets sued by the 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 uh, woman up in New York who who went on uh, uh, Rachel Maddow's show the other day and said she's going to use her money uh, to buy a penthouse for Rachel Maddow. And then her lawyer said, oh, she's just kidding. I mean, she didn't sound like a serious person. She didn't sound like remember some of those women that were uh, traumatized by uh, uh, Weinstein, um, uh, um, the uh, the producer, the Hollywood producer. And when you saw them talk about what he did to them, uh, Harvey Weinstein, when you saw him talk, you got a sense of the gravity of what they went through and the, and the strength it took to come out and to talk about it. That's not what you saw on Rachel Maddow's show with the woman that sued uh, Trump and got this ridiculous verdict, uh, uh, number uh, insane numbers. And my point here is to tell you that the vibe, as Mike Benz calls it, the vibe is all directionally against the people in power. Biden, the Democrats, it's against them. At Mike Benz Cyber, at Mike Benz Cyber, check him out and uh, definitely follow him uh, in uh, and and see his videos. He's got he's got about ten or twelve videos that I've seen. He's probably got more than that uh, that are really worth looking at too. Uh, but definitely look at this one, which I'll put up on social media and link in here because it's very good. It's very good. It's um uh, remember the and I love it especially because I've always thought the Ben Shapiro thing is you know uh, truth truth uh, facts don't care facts don't care about your feelings or something like that. He's famous for it's such nonsense. It's just nonsense. I mean, it's just not true. I think Mike Benz is much more correct that uh, that facts are trumped by narrative, and that the narrative is trumped and beaten by vibe. That's not to say that the facts don't matter. They do. It's not to say that the narrative doesn't matter. It does. It's just saying that at a certain point, how people feel, how they relate to it, how the energy is around something is going to be what really impacts uh, what's happening. It's very well done. Mike Benz, check him out. Uh, Very good guy too. A nice guy. I've only met him I've met him in person once, maybe, but I've talked to him on the phone a few times. He's a impressive guy, kind of thoughtful, uh, interesting and uh, worth checking out. All right. There you go. Uh, look that up and uh, you will not uh, you will not regret it. And remember, go to ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily. Uh, excuse me. Oh, geez. Did it again for the uh, lo- longer form substack that I write there and go to PhyllisSchlafly.com and sign up for the daily uh, wink, which is available there. Just go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. You'll see a block and sign up there. And you can get signed up there so that you get this as well as uh, some key links and lots more. Check it all out. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, in a moment, we'll talk uh, We uh, we'll talk a little bit climate change again and some of the environmental crazies and what they're up to. Be right back here on the Pro-America Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, uh, Steve Gorham, he was with us a while ago. Uh, he's the executive director of the Climate Science Coalition of America. He's written uh, books on energy, climate change, sustainable development. Uh, more than 100,000 copies are out in print. I think it's four or five books. His newest book well, uh, late last year, uh, excuse me, is uh, Green Breakdown, The Recoming Renewable Energy Failure. It's been out a few months and uh, look half of what it uh, I think is what he was uh, talking about. Um, maybe not half, but a lot of things that he was talking about in the uh, book are coming true. So first of all, Welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, Ed. I'm, I'm doing well. Great to join you. Thank you. And you can find out more of Steve's work. SteveGorham.com is his website. All right. First, I, you mentioned in some notes, we we're going back and forth. Um, John Kerry, for a couple of years now, I guess almost three years, he's been the U.S. climate envoy. What yeah. the heck was that? What did he do? Uh, give me your sort of feedback on uh, on John Kerry as he fades off of the stage in that sense. Well, it was a position that uh, was filled by President Biden with uh, uh, Mr. Kerry, and uh, his efforts have been to uh, go and talk to nations around the world and try and get everybody to agree that uh, we need to get rid of coal, oil, and natural gas. Uh, We need to go with renewables uh, in order to stop the planet from warming. Um, But he's uh, made some outrageous statements uh, recently. Uh, just a month ago, he called for a ban on all coal-fired power plants across the world, which is really astonishing in many ways, uh, uh, very, very uh, unfortunate. Uh, so the situation with coal-fired power is that it provides 35% of the world's electricity today. It's the biggest source of electricity. And we have uh, about 6,500 coal-fired power plants in the world. Another 1,000 are in planning or being built but the world is a shortage of electricity right now. We have uh, 700 million people that don't have access to electricity, another 2 billion that have blackouts or brownouts every single day. And if you're in the United States and you have an air conditioner, that air conditioner uses more electricity than about a third of the world's people. So Mr. Kerry's statement to ban coal-fired powers is, uh, you know, my best uh, comparison is Marie Antoinette when she said, uh, if the people don't have food, let them eat cake. I mean, it really is crazy. Uh, He would rather see the people of the world not have electricity than have coal-fired power because wind and solar can't make up for this. So it's really a sad situation, but but it's uh, right in line with this this goal of trying to get to net zero by 2050. Uh, Steve Gorham is our guest. Again, he's uh, written a number of books on this subject. His newest book, uh, which is out late last year, Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. So uh, good riddance, uh, John Kerry. I never thought I'm, you know, I I feel like he was a pal of Biden's and that, you know, a former senator. He won't get much pushback from his own Senate colleagues. So he's sort of gallivanting around the world and a very rich guy. So nobody really uh, I don't think, um, you know, it didn't strike me that he was leading on much of anything. But but Steve, um, What's the deal with the electric vehicles? A lot of press now coming out of Detroit and the and the big automakers that failing in that. Obviously, Tesla is succeeding as a company, at least, although I often point out to people they made a lot of their uh, success on the backs of uh, of subsidies from the government. I mean, for all Elon Musk's perception as a capitalist and as a conservative, he, he used he used and uses the uh, the the subsidized uh, uh, market. It, uh, pretty skillfully. So, but what's going on with this? What's the reality, and um, what's the future? Do you think? Well, the uh, uh, EVs, if the EV industry has hit a big speed bump last year, there's faltering electric vehicle demand. 
Uh, electric vehicle inventories are up over 300% at Ford and General Motors. Ford is losing between 40 and 60,000 on each electric vehicle sold, uh, projecting a four and a half billion dollar loss for la- from last year. So Ford and GM are now, uh, are delaying new EV models. And it appears that the, the early adopter phase is over. Uh, you know, you want that cool Tesla. That's great. Or if, uh, for your second car, or if you can drive a short discharge at home, drive a short distance to work. That works pretty well, too. But the problems are piling up. Uh, We just had a big black eye in Chicago. Uh, We had uh, very, very cold weather. And uh, EVs not only lose range when you get down to about 10 degrees Fahrenheit or zero, but they literally will not charge outside. You have to have a heated facility to charge your electric vehicle. So we have all these news stories about people pushing cars around in, in, uh, in charging lots and waiting for hours and hours. And, oh, by the way, you're not supposed to put your heater on while you're charging your EV <laughs> <your> either. <laughs> right. Very, very tough when it's zero. We also have insurance issues. Uh, insurance is, it, it requires about 70% more to insure an EV. Uh, and Hertz is, uh, has announced they're, uh, they're, they're uh, reselling 30% of their EV fleet, uh, 100,000 cars, uh, because uh, uh, they're expensive. Uh, there's there's uh, collision issues. And frankly, a lot of people don't want them. They don't want an EV and don't want to put up with it. So, so the industry's hit a big speed bump. Uh, we just need uh, EVs are going to penetrate world markets, but we should let people make their own choice. Governments should get out of the way and quit trying to force everybody on the idea that we can stop the oceans from rising if if we all drive an EV. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's modern superstition. Uh, we're talking again with Steve Gorman. His uh, book uh, is uh, he's executive director of the Climate Science Coalition of America. Uh, uh, he's got books, uh, four books on energy, climate change, sustainable development. His newest one is Green Breakdown, uh, the coming renewable energy failure. Um, Steve, we've had a, we've had a scientist on my friend Gregory Wrightstone of the CO2 Coalition. And, oh, and I said yeah. to him recently, um, it feels like and, and tell me what you think that we've turned a corner on the re, on an, an understanding by most people. Maybe that's a little too dramatic, but many, many people now realize that big aspects of the green energy crisis are hoaxes. Not all of the science is a hoax, but all. Almost all of the solutions that, you know, we should pay and we should change behavior uh, don't don't have don't don't rely on anything that can be thought to be a serious model that would yield that. And frankly, it looks a lot like control and money transfer. But so back to my question, it does. Am I feeling that right? Are are more people, maybe Americans, let's stick with them, understanding what's going on and, and less prone to the hysteria? Yeah, I think it's a mix in the U.S., about half and half. Some believe and and some disbelieve, uh, you know, but it, it is very likely we go into a cooling period for a few decades here, and the theory is going to become untenable. Uh, but there's a lot of things. Snow is not disappearing, despite the fact we got uh, ski uh, ski organizations in Colorado suing the oil companies for snow disappearing. Uh, we're not, we have many more polar bears. The oceans are rising about the same they have over the last two or three centuries, seven or eight inches a century. Uh, we're not seeing more hurricanes. We're not seeing stronger storms. Uh, the press says differently, but when you look at the data, you don't see that this stuff is true. Uh, uh, and then finally, this is going to break down because of the economics. Uh, the push for, for green energy is going to mean higher energy prices, electricity blackouts, loss of freedom. 
and what I call energy shocks. And people just aren't going to put up with this. They're going to demand a return to low-cost, reliable energy. So uh, the the economics and the science are ven- eventually going to win out, and people are going to get back to to what makes some sense. Uh, it's it is. I think that I, I think I feel it more and more. You know, it was one thing at conservative events and conservative uh, um, uh, uh, things. You'd see people saying, hey, this is, uh, you know, almost the opposite, saying I'm not listening to anything you say. Now, I just think more and more people are are aware of it. Um, one last thing, Steve, we're running out of time again. Steve Gorham is uh, the executive director of Climate Science Coalition of America. His new book is Green Breakdown. Um do you think worldwide, do you, th- I just saw an article about Nigeria and, and don't, don't you think worldwide that the only thing that matters to nations is energy costs and the idea of st- stunting your ability to handle that is it, it's causing more of the unrest in the world than anything else? Well, there are three big things. I think there's cost reliability and there's pollution and environmental issues. The problem is we've gotten off track with pollution. We're calling carbon dioxide a pollutant. That's goofy. Uh, we need to get back to solve, solving real problems like uh, uh, wastewater discharge, uh, carbon monoxide, carbon uh, uh, um, particulates, other things in the air, uh, not carbon dioxide again, uh, plastic in the oceans. Those are the real problems to solve. So uh, uh, that's where we need where we've gone off the rails. Let's get back and uh, and and uh, say carbon dioxide is great and solve real pollution issues as well as reliability and cost. All right, Steve Gorham, thank you for being out there on this and for writing that book. And uh, and uh, we'll have you back on again. Steve Gorham again is the executive director of Climate Science Coalition of America. His book is Green Breakdown: The Coming Renewable Energy Failure, and uh, I'll put all that up on social media and links to it also. And we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, very interesting, his book, uh, which I was sent um, a week or two ago, and I, I went through it in a couple of nights, Beat the Incumbent, Proven Strategies and Tactics to Win Elections. Just out about a week and a half ago, it came out and uh, from Radius Book Group. His name is Louis Perone. Uh, he's a Dr. Louis Perone, a PhD, uh, who has been active all across the world, actually, uh, in, in races and campaigns uh, everywhere in the world. He himself uh, comes from Europe originally. And uh, his book, again, is Beat the Incumbent. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, used to say one of the best ways that she came to understand candidates and campaigns was to lose. She ran for Congress as a young woman and lost. I had the same experience, actually. And when I say that, I mean that there's nothing like the experience of having been in a re- in a race and, 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 and making the mistakes and also succeeding. Is that your experience, too? I mean, you, you it looks like you're, many of your candidates win their races, but there's something about having a lost where you have to figure it out more than when you won. 
Yes, I would absolutely agree with your former boss. Uh Actually, if you think about it, many great politicians have (laughs) lost a race early in their career. And it's Uh true in the US, it's true internationally. And I think it's true. um, Losing, especially when you're early in your career, teaches you some lessons. And I think it's a very humbling experience. And yes, I've learned a lot myself from clients with whom I've lost. Uh, our guest is again Louis Perone, and his book is uh, out available anywhere books are. I'm looking at, I think I've got mine up open on uh, Amazon, but it, the book again is Beat the Incumbent Proven Strategies and Tactics to Win Elections. How significantly has the world changed in terms of uh, technology and messaging and, 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 excuse me, technology and messaging? Meaning, you know, it used to be you'd, you'd craft a message, you'd, you'd probably try it on the stump, you'd talk about it, maybe you'd do an interview, you'd do some mail. Now you're on X or on Facebook Live within 30 seconds. It's good and bad. You can find out quickly what doesn't work or does work. But it also means that people, I think, expect something immediate more. It seems like it's gotten more challenging than ever to be a candidate. Definitely, because uh, public opinion has become more volatile, which Mm -hmm. is an advantage for challengers. People are more willing to take a risk. But of course, speed has increased dramatically. I mean, it used to be a news cycle of what, like 24 hours? Now, practically (laughs) nonstop news cycle. Um, The tools have changed dramatically. Uh, We have uh, much different tools available now. Even actually, besides my consulting, I'm also teaching political marketing for more than 10 years. And if I compare during those 10 years, I mean, the environment in which campaigns take place, the media environment has changed dramatically. All that said, the fundamentals and basics of strategy have actually not changed that much. And I must say, probably will never change much. I think you still need a message. You need discipline. You need a strategy on how you will reach your target audience. And having a plan and a message and a strategy is even more important than ever to manage the chaos. And I'm telling candidates, if you don't have it before you enter this, it, it will it, you'll not do it later on and it will just uh, end up in chaos. Uh, we're, we're again, we're talking with uh, Louis Perone. Uh, Dr. Louis Perone is a consultant all over the world uh, on, on political campaigns and messaging. His book is Beat the Incumbent, Proven Strategies and Tactics to Win Elections. Uh, you, you know, the how about um, this moment in history? In your book, you actually talk, I thought was one of the sections I found the most interesting um, in some sense when you, you were talking about that you 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 there's more uh, moving beyond traditional left and right. And, and, and to be honest, that. That sounds a little like a that can be a cliche to people, you know, don't don't get caught on the left or the right or whatever. But what I would say is the populist message now in the modern moment, whether you're talking about Europe or you're talking about America, you know, you suddenly have the environmentalists will will be um, with you if you're a, a, a market capitalist, if you want to oppose the big corporations. I mean, there's a there's a part of this sort of populist uh, thing. You know, there was an, a quote in Politico from the Davos uh, period a week or two ago where the, 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 the author said the Davos uh, attendees have no idea what to make of all this populism. That is that is that new, uh, Lewis, is it new? Populism, is it new how we're feeling it because of the the, the social media immediacy? What, what's going on there? 
I think what's going on is that people are more willing to take a risk on populists or on outsiders. Mm. I mean, if you look mm. at Argentina, yeah, uh, for example, just the last example, I think Donald Trump in 2016 was really actually an outsider. So I think what's happening is that public opinion has become more volatile and people are more willing to take a risk on them. And of course, it's a great advantage for challengers. I mean, I write about some people in the book, for example, Zelensky. Right. Uh, Zelensky was a comedian. Uh, <laughs> and the first office he ever ran for was the presidency of Ukraine. And right. I think he won in large part because people were really not just unhappy with the status quo, but really angry with with the entire political class. So by voting for him, they actually wanted to get rid of the entire political class. I have other people I write about, for example, Macron who was part of the incumbent government, but stepped down as a minister and founded his own party, left the Socialist Party where he belonged before, founded his own movement. And I think if the exact same Macron would not have left the government, left the party and founded his own movement, his claim to be for change would not never have been as credible. Uh, we're talking with Louis uh, Perone, Dr. Louis Perone. Uh, by the way, uh, on I, I like on your uh, on your LinkedIn profile. It says, "I make mayors, governors, and presidents." That's the tagline. I think it's fantastic. It made me smile. Uh, his book is just out, just a week or two ago. Beat the incumbent. Uh, power, proven strategies and tactics to win elections. Two quick questions. One. The power of the incumbent, you know, in America, it's unbelievably powerful to be the incumbent in Europe. Same thing. And maybe a related topic is, you know, you know, you mentioned Macron left a ministry position, started his own movement and was able to succeed. America, that's not possible, right? You're either Republican or Democrat. These people that do third party talk, you may get to you may get your voice heard, but you're not going to actually get into office. That's not a path forward. I guess the my point here is. There is a it feels like there's a growing trap that the powerful, the in power have over the rest of us. Is that worse than it's been before or is it just how I'm feeling about it? Probably it's uh, how you're feeling about it. But (laughs) I think I mean, I, I think in the end, the politicians are quite a good, actually, representation of the country they're leading if you think about it, in a way, Donald Trump, he is very, very American, no? And right. uh, I think if the exact same Donald Trump would have been born in Germany, he may have done some great real estate in Frankfurt, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he not have reason to a- any the, the hierarchy of any of the, the major parties. And the other way around, I mean, if you think about it, Angela Merkel should have been born an American I, I doubt she would make it through a primary. I mean, she probably have been a professor of chemistry in Harvard, <laughs> but I doubt she would have won even a primary election. So in the end, people represent their countries really well. And I think it's actually a key thing if you want to lead, whether you're an outsider or not, you have to uh, touch the nerve of your country, of your time. Now, going back to the other question that you mentioned before about the incumbency advantage still is a factor, of course. And uh, in the U.S. in particular, a big part of it, especially for congressional races, is fundraising. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have barely ever seen an incumbent that is not at least at par with his challenges with respect to fundraising. And I mean, that's just one 
aspect of the incumbency advantage that you really have to milk and maximize. And I think it's part of the reason why many congressional races are not competitive. Yeah, it's um, it. I think I agree with you. By the way, I should have set up a little bit better, even though uh, uh, Dr. Lewis Perone, our guest, is uh, over and based in Zurich and all over the world. He, I, I think I have it right that you studied in America at the at George Washington University. Is that is that is that right? Yes. So uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, twenty years ago. Yeah, right? yes, great so, experience. Yeah, so I, you I have it in D.C. <laughs> because uh, I felt like everybody in the city is like me. <laughs> that's so finally, I'm in a place where everybody's like me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> interesting. All right. Well, the book again. is... Beat the incumbent, uh, Dr. Lewis Perone. I will put it up on social media. We're at a break, unfortunately. I've got to go, uh, and uh, we will make sure to uh, link to all that. Very interesting, interesting book. Very good. I read a lot of these books, and I, I was very uh, intrigued and challenged. And so we'll take a break, though, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. It's high time we bring back sensible discipline to public schools. This is way overdue, and it would be a better focus of the never-ending special session in Texas, where Governor Greg Abbott called for a record-breaking fourth legislative session on education last November. Even with vouchers for private schools, the vast majority of students would remain in declining, undisciplined public schools. Sensible discipline could even include corporal punishment. Corporal punishment, such as swatting a misbehaving student, was allowed nationwide by the U.S. Supreme Court for public schools in the case Ingram v. Wright in 1977. This kind of discipline is more effective than other kinds without being excessively harmful. A third of teachers encounter threats by students annually, yet effective punishment is not allowed. Instead, liberals are permissive about misconduct until violence occurs. And even then, teachers sometimes fail to impose appropriate penalties. While forbidding any meaningful discipline, public schools ultimately expel students, but only after an egregious rampage. The single biggest reason for the increase in homeschooling is a fear by parents for the safety of their children in public schools. Yet rather than restore order in schools, the failed approach of Vice President Kamala Harris when she was the district attorney of San Francisco was to prosecute parents for truancy, the outdated criminalization of non-attendance at school. When Harris campaigned for California Attorney General, she promoted enacting a state law to punish parents when their children missed more than 10 percent of public school. Vice President Harris threatened, quote, we are putting parents on notice. If you fail to take responsibility for your kids, we're going to make sure that you face the full force and consequence of the law, end quote. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden and the entire Democrat Party pander to teachers unions who should be blamed for turning schools into dens of crime, drugs and liberal ideology. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. These culturally relevant commentaries, along with videos, columns, and bulletins, are waiting for you at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Plus, find, follow, and share our news and views on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Parler, Gab, and Twitter. 
Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, in the uh, category of doing the right thing is worth uh, noticing and worth paying attention to. I got a text from a friend of mine, good friend of mine, good buddy of mine from my college days. His name is Mark, Mark Riley, and a uh, great guy, super guy, a little bit liberal, but really good guy. And uh, he and I uh, spent some time when we were in college. We went on a trip down to uh, Cuernavaca in Mexico and spent like two weeks down there on a awareness. Uh, one of these things we I, I think he may be better. He may be th- at the time better at Spanish, probably is now, too. I'm not that good at Spanish. But it was a lot about awareness about what was going on there. It was an amazing trip, really, for, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, maybe we were 19. 20 year olds who had never I'd never been abroad anywhere. And uh, in fact, we met incredible people, uh, learned a lot about what it's like to live in a, in poverty in places like Mexico. Anyway, great guy, Mark. And we don't agree on a lot of things all the time. And he texted me and said, hey. Uh, doesn't this show that the system works? And he linked to an article uh, that I had seen the story of, but hadn't seen the details. And that is about this this uh, guy that went to work for the IRS as a consultant, and he leaked Donald Trump's tax returns uh, and lots of other people's, by the way. I think it was thousands of other people, uh, but he got caught. And uh, so what my friend Mark sent me was this uh, article that the guy actually, the tax return leaker, this consultant to the IRS who leaked the Trump tax returns, he got five years in prison. And the judge, Judge Reyes, said, you know, it can't be like this. It can't be open season on elected officials. And actually, the thing that was uh, pretty cool about this is he got the maximum uh, sentence that he was allowed to get because the judge said it was terrible. Um, I think his own attorneys asked for a lot less, obviously. And even the prosecutors, maybe they uh, uh, they don't know. The prosecutors did ask for they asked for the max. So I suppose he could have been charged with a lot of other things. But five years in federal prison uh, for um, what is effectively a white collar crime, you know, and I don't think this guy had any um he didn't have the, the guy that uh, got this jail term uh, did not have any uh, priors, I don't think. And so that's a pretty good sentence. And so to my friend, Mark, uh, Mark, you're exactly right. They should be praised. This judge should be praised. The DOJ should be praised. I mean, I, I have become someone who is very critical of all of it, all of the sentencing that happens in the federal system. I, I subscribe to distrust, then verify. I just don't trust the prosecutors. And that would be true for you know, uh, 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 drug crimes. It'd be true for, uh, all kinds of violent crimes. And I, you know, I've got friends in the ACLU world that probably, uh, chuckle if they hear me say this, cause 20 years ago, they would have been telling me, you know, these too many of the federal prosecutors are really bullies and they dominate and, the, and it's not fair. And I probably would have been like, well, you got to put them away. You know, you got to do the right thing. Now I'm much more, uh, I'm much more cynical. I'm much more uh, inclined to distrust than verify on all these different, uh, especially the federal prosecutors, because they have such an, an advantage. They have such an advantage as as I forget now who was the uh, defendant who was going. He said, you, you are going up against the best law firm in the world. That's the Department of Justice, especially when it's main justice in Washington. But in general, because they have the mo- the best lawyers, they have the best um, backup. They have the the most um, 
uh, resources. You know, you, they don't have to make decisions based on um, an upcoming election like a local prosecutor sometimes does. And so this is a pretty good example, to my friend uh, Mark's point, of the uh, the the lawyer getting um, uh, excuse me, the, the the defendant getting the maximum sentence and for the right reason. You know, I, I actually probably would have said as to a white collar crime, you know, with no priors, maybe this guy deserves leniency. But the judge's points point was you clearly did this um, and and sought to do it as a consultant and, and leaked not just Trump, but uh, thousands of others as a way to make people a target, to make it so people sh- will not want to serve in public life and will not want to be out in the thing. It's this is exactly the opposite of the lawfare. The judge is saying you're not allowed to use lawfare. You're not allowed to use a legally required filing, the IRS filings, and then go leak it in such a way against the law and against public policy and, and damage people. That Otherwise, you're not going to have people that want to serve in public life. You're not going to want to have people that are willing to go out there. And uh, and so good for Judge Reyes uh, for doing this. Um, she is uh, um, a uh, Biden nominee. So that's another part of this. And she called it an attack on our democracy. And um, and you shouldn't be able to target the sitting president. You shouldn't be able to target other people. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty great, actually. I think it's um, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I think it's really good that if the coverage is uh, I, after Mark sent it to me, I went look and it's covered everywhere. People are covering it and people should be praising it. People should be people should be saying this is exactly what should happen. This is the thing that you have to do to to people. Hold them accountable when they do these things. If he had gotten away with it and sort of gotten nothing or, you know, gotten a a fine or or went on his way. And, you know, you could think back, by the way, that remember the lawyer that worked for the FBI that I think it was uh, convicted or pled guilty to changing the FISA applications or fraud, fraud, uh, committing fraud on that, falsifying those documents. He got nothing, I think. And it maybe got his bar license suspended for a half a minute. And that, that felt like he wasn't held accountable to something that was a big deal. But in this case, the system worked. As my friend Mark said, the uh, doesn't this show the system works? And yes, it does. It shows the system works and it's worth praising. And so thank you to this Biden appointed judge for doing the right thing in this case. And uh, unless I'm missing something like there could have been massive numbers of other charges, it seems like five years is plenty of a message uh, not to do this, to both to this guy and to anybody else thinking about it. So there you have it. Good stuff. All right, I got to run. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Ryan Height, associate producer, Mason Mohan. Thank you to Mark Riley, uh, my old buddy, for helping produce this show by sending me that article. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.